Grab your Bible, let's read our text this morning, John chapter 6, and we'll be in verse 22 starting today. So on the next day, the crowd that had remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had only been one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are, note this, you are seeking me not because you saw the signs or the miracle yesterday, but because you ate your fill of the loaves or your stomach was satisfied. And then Jesus says, Do not work for food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? And what work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Lord, Move us through this text today and allow us to see the relevance of it um, to our lives today. And may we approach your word today saying yes and just submitting our lives to your speaking. In your name we pray, amen. You may be seated. So let me remind us of where we are. So Jesus has fed the 5,000. He has dismissed the crowd. He has put the disciples into a boat. The disciples have gone on to the other side of the sea to the area where was the ministry headquarters for Christ, Capernaum. So when the people wake up in the morning, they love what had happened yesterday, the feeding and the miracle and just all of those things. And so they are wanting to find um, Jesus. But they're wanting to find Jesus and for the wrong reason. Um, they're not wanting to come to worship Him. They're wanting to come because they liked yesterday, they liked the food, and will He bring more food? Because when you have supper the night before that's like awesome, you wake up the next morning, what do you got to have? You got to have breakfast. And so they're like, man, can we get some breakfast from the, from the meal man? And let's try and find him. Because that was pretty great yesterday. We ate till we, were, we didn't have to do any work for that. He just provided it for us, and we're on board for more of that. But Jesus knew, saw what was truly in their heart. He knew in John six fifteen that after that miracle, they wanted to usher him in to become king over Israel and, and deal with Rome. Now they find him on the other side of the lake, and he knows why they've come without them even speaking. He knows that they've come not because of the miracle and the work that they saw and that they were a part of, but they wanted him to fill their stomachs again. So that's what Jesus saw. What did the crowd see? Well, the day before, the crowd saw that this man spoke in a way that nobody ever spoke. This man had power that nobody has ever had power. This man was able to do something in a miracle in the multiplication of the bread and the fish that nobody had ever done. And so 
in the people's minds are like, okay, this guy is awesome. We know about all the healings that he's done with the blind people. But look at this. Man, he can give food that satisfies us. Let's get connected more to him. But they, the problem was they had missed the greater picture connected to Christ. The point of the miracle was not the filling of their stomachs. The point of the miracle was that they would see that Jesus is the Messiah and that he was going to establish a spiritual kingdom. And so they had missed this greater um, picture. What did the disciples see? Well, they saw that as they walked around and fed people that had been sitting in groups, that this basket that just began with a few loaves and fish just seemed to be multiplying themselves over and over people kept reaching in and getting things and nothing was really emptying out it was just miraculously right before can you just think about that for a moment you're holding this basket people are just reaching and reaching in you're thinking gosh this is not going to be enough and it's just multiplying and multiplying and multiplying until upwards of 20,000 people are are able to eat and then they come back and they are able to look and see that every one of the 12 disciples has basketfuls of everything that's there. So that's one of the things they saw. They saw something extra because Jesus makes them get into the boat to go to the other side. A storm comes up, and Jesus comes walking to them on the water. So they see the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, and then they're able to literally see Jesus commanding the waves and the, uh, to uphold him as he comes to them. And so they, they see a lot in the context that we're at in John chapter 6. But the reality is simply this, is that nothing has really ever changed because people in our time are just like the people back in those days, not any different. They are driven by fleshly, worldly passions. And Jesus will continue to unfold deeper as we get into John chapter 6. And let me just say this as a commercial as we move toward the end of John chapter 6. From John 6 all the way until about John chapter 9, the intensity of the religious leaders perspective of Jesus is going to increase not only is it going to increase from the perspective of the religious leaders to Jesus but then the people are going to begin to go I don't know about you I don't like the things that you say we like the things that you do but you're saying some things that we are not in agreement of and so the intensity of Jesus's words are going to get sharper so that means this Ed's excited about it and I know other people are as well that means the application to our lives guess what it's going to be a little more sharp as well. And so we're going to need to examine our hearts because um, we need to be careful to not have the kind of pride to say, well, I would not be like those people back then. We have a tendency to be just like them today. Nothing really is ever new, and so we must guard our hearts. And so, so they're pursuing Jesus the next day not to honor him, but because they want what they experienced the day before. And so John in chapter 6 is going to increase our understanding of Jesus being the bread of life. We will talk in more deeper detail next week. And he's kind of setting up this understanding um, for us. And so I, I brought something today, and this was a disaster in the first service. Just telling you it was a disaster in the first service. So I have bubbles. I couldn't get this out. It was so stuck in there, and it was so slippery, I couldn't get my bubble blower out this morning and so we had to pretend you're going to get the real thing are you excited you get the special so so let me just give a little illustration i still am fascinated by bubbles i I know that i'm older now but let me just let let me just put a picture for us oh wow that's not good (laughs) 
this might be a disaster as well. So, there we go. We have bubbles. Watch the bubbles. That's enough. <laughs> There's success. Look how long they last. We got one left. Let's watch him. Or watch her. I don't know if bubbles are he or her. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? It's over with. I don't know if you get the point yet, but the people in the story are pursuing bubbles, material things that don't last. So for everyone of us in the room this morning, whether you're a student, you're a kid, or you're an adult, we're going to pursue bubbles, or we're going to pursue the bread of life whose name is Jesus Christ. And that's our option. So the people come, they find Jesus, and they're, they're like, man, we want more of that food. Why did they need more food the next day? Because why? Yesterday's food, what? It, it ends. Its sustenance for us ends, and so we need fresh food, fresh bread for the day. And they're missing the point, and so Jesus is going to call them and say, I've got a better bread to offer you. It's not like the fish and the bread yesterday. The bread that I'm going to offer you is myself. And so you've got to make a decision. And so they're pursuing stuff that's not going to last. And for all of us, we know about this because we have pursued bubbles. We have pursued things that eventually just are like chasing after the wind. You will never catch it, as Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes. Or we will pursue Jesus and find life in Christ in this way. This is Psalm 1611. David writes, You, God, make known to me the path of life. And in your presence there is fullness of joy. Anybody want fullness of joy today? Something that that lasts, it's deeper than circumstances. And in your presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And so our, our choice today is pursuing things that float around and it's kind of cool to watch it but when they hit something they just disappear and it's gone or are we today going to come to a place of going of getting this settled that what we want is what lasts and that's the bread of life that endures all the way to eternal life and so we're going to talk today and give a picture of in John chapter 6 and it will just permeate all the way to the very end What does a false disciple look like and what does a true disciple look like? And so let's look at the first point this morning. First point this morning is is in verse 22. And it's this this mindset that seems to dominate um, many Christians. and, and, And it's the longing for the same thing and just getting stuck in the same thing. So look at me in 22. So on the next day, the crowd that had remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there. And they saw the disciples get into the boat, and Jesus didn't enter the boat with them, but his disciples had gone away alone. And they were thinking about the the day before, and they're like, the crowd was, they're like, man, that was so awesome yesterday. It was spiritual. Jesus had been teaching just incredible truth, and we got got to listen to this guy, and he teaches like nobody we've ever heard before. It was physically satisfying. Everybody was able to eat. They didn't, they didn't have to get up in the morning and grind the, all, of the, all of the stuff and make their bread. It just was provided for them. We're like, man, that is great. It was physically satisfying, and it was supernatural, just constantly. 
this filling and this movement of this bread and this fish was in the midst of them. And listen, they wanted the next day exactly what they had the day before. Now, I want to remind you and I of something that Jeremiah wrote that's really, really powerful. Every day that we wake up, Jeremiah writes in Lamentations that God's mercies are what? They are new every day. This day is not like last Sunday. Today is not like yesterday, Saturday. This day is fresh. This day has something fresh for us from the Lord for you and I to see about Him and to experience. We will not, this moment in here won't be the same next week. It'll be a a different text, and so there'll be a different experience. And so today is one of those days that we want to embrace the moment today. And recognize that what He has for us today is everything that we need. But this is our problem. We want, to, we want, we want past stuff. We want to long for, oh, I, mem- I remember when I experienced that. And boy, the, the, the mood was just right. The song was just right. And, and this person was there. And we, we want to long for things in the past. And to go back there and experience them. And we forget about that today is an incredible moment to experience Him freshly and uniquely that's unlike any moment ever. And so what they should have done in the text is, when they found Jesus in Capernaum, they should have recognized, we want to know you. Can you tell us more about you? We saw what you did yesterday. This is evident. Are you the Messiah? Or or some of them should have fallen down in worship. But what they wanted was what He did yesterday. But watch, Jesus, watch, had already moved on from yesterday. He didn't stay on the hillside. He had walked across the water to the other side, and he was going to do new things today. Now, the people could have gotten in on what Jesus was going to do that day, but this is the problem. There is a great danger in our lives for what we would call experiential Christianity. And it makes total sense, and and, and from a human perspective, that they wanted to continue to experience what they had the day before, but the But the issue is, that was a one-day experience. They were not going to be able to live on the hillside by the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus, just get this feeding ministry. Go get the word out. Everybody come here. We'll have organized lines, lunch lines, and, you know, and we'll have gloves on and we'll make it safe. And and we're just going to make sure everything's safe. And we're just going to feed people. And we'll just feed people. Well, that's not why he came. He fed people the day before. But he wasn't going to continue to just be the bread man. He had come to be the bread who would lay his life down so that you and I would have the hope of coming to know God, having our sin forgiven. But when they find him, that is not there. We're like them. Remember when Jesus goes up on the mountain and he's got Peter, James, and John with him. He's transfigured and Moses and Elijah show up. And Peter's like... Pretty awesome, Jesus. Hey, Jesus, do you mind if I built some tabernacles and we can just live up here in the moment? This is pretty great, and we'll just stay up here. Now, how, how unrealistic is that? That they're just going to live up on the mountain, those six, Jesus, Moses, and Elijah, and then James and John and Peter. We're just going to stay up here. Let's just build tabernacles and houses, and we'll just kind of stay here, and we'll continue to do that. No. This is the danger of experiential Christianity is it doesn't move forward. It gets stuck in the moment of wanting 
to experience what was before, and what was before was great. The feeding of the 5,000, spiritual experience, physical experience, and, and just an incredible moment, but that wasn't going to continue to be the case. And so they were getting stuck with this mindset of seeing Jesus in a way that he was not going to be. And so Jesus is going to tell them he has a different and a better food that they need to experience. And I think in all of our lives, we must get to the place where there's a deeper longing in our lives than just yesteryear or yesterday or yesterweek. To know that this moment is the moment that we have. And it's an incredible moment in this room today. For God is here present with us. Calling you and I to walk away from bubbles that pop and do not last. And calling us to the bread of life that sustains all the way to eternal life in His presence in heaven. And they should have allowed the miracle to move them to see that he is the Messiah. But they didn't think spiritually about him. They were thinking more in a physical sense. And this becomes a danger. Hear this church this morning. There is a danger to note that is connected to Christianity when Jesus is popular. When he's in. When Jesus is cool. Because here's what happens. Is it attracts other people with the same mindset, and eventually people are following not to really truly know him, but they're excited for all of the wrong reasons. And after a while, you just have people around for the excitement, but not really there to authentically worship. Now, the proof of this is at the end of John chapter 6, Jesus is going to tell them, You've got to drink of my blood and eat of my flesh. And he was not talking about cannibalism. He was talking about you've got to believe that I came to lay my body down. What we've just done in celebrating the Lord's Supper. His broken body, his blood was shed. You've got to believe and trust in that and give your life to that. You've got to partake of that. You've got to eat and believe in that. It's got to become part of your life. And if you don't partake that and believe that, then you have no part of me. And when Jesus said that, because they were thinking physically and not spiritually, here's what they did at the end of John 6. They're like, this is a difficult teaching. Who can believe this? And you know what everyone did but the 12? They turned their back and they walked away and they went back to their old lives, to their towns, and they quit following. And Jesus turned to them and said, so you guys going to go as well? And Peter said, Lord, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. You are the Holy One of Israel. We believe and we know who you are. Eventually, the pursuit of experiential Christianity that is longing for yesterday's experience will eventually find itself stuck in a place and not truly worshiping Christ honestly and I know that's a strong word in the room this morning but I'll just tell you it bears itself out over and over in our culture and I've had some unbelievable experiences in my life and they have served me well but those experiences aren't going to happen today these moments that I've had in Nepal of just seeing God move I can't experience that today you know why because I'm not in Nepal 
I'm right here in Collin County. And right here in Collin County today is something greater than my past experience in Nepal. I'm not, I can't go back to that, but I've got this moment now where he is here and he's calling us to say, don't pursue bubbles. Pursue me. I am the one who gives life. Now look at the next thing. Look at verse 23. So word's gotten out. Man, bread man, fish man, and it's gotten out, and people on the other side of the Sea of Galilee wake, wake up, and word's gotten out. There's a guy over there on the hillside. He was teaching, and he gave us food. And everybody on the other side, they got into boats, and they come to the side where Jesus had been teaching and did the miracle. And look at 23. Other boats from Tiberias, near the place where they had, had came, were near the place where they had eaten the bread, and they had given Thanks, and this is what happens. It happens all the time is people are longing to get involved with the new movement, the new philosophy, the new thinking, instead of trusting in the ancient ways. And the ancient ways is this, is that God has spoken, He has called His people to Him, and we are to walk in obedience to Him. But all these people just, they weren't there the day before, they want to get in on the new experience. And I think this thinking dominates. It's around us. That's why there's so much church hopping, so much ministry hopping. There's so much, because people are wanting to get into things for the wrong reasons. All right, let's look at the third thing. Here's another aspect of false disciples. Look at 24, let's read 24 through 26. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. So the next morning, they expected Jesus to be right there because he didn't get into the boat. So they're trying to find him. He's not there. So they recognize, okay, we know Capernaum is his headquarters. He must have somehow, maybe another boat came later, and we just don't know about it. And so he must be over in Capernaum. So let's get into boats, and let's go over there. And I think some of them probably ran around the other side of the sea. They didn't have boats and have access. So you've got boat people, you've got walking people, and they're coming to Capernaum to find this guy who had fed them on the day before. But notice, and I said it earlier, Jesus had already moved on from yesterday. He had moved on. There's going to be new opportunities. And so here they go. They search for him, and when they find him, look at 25, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said, Rabbi, when did you come here? They can't fathom how he got there, and they have no idea, and he doesn't tell them, guys, you want to know how I got here? Let me tell you how I got here. I just walked on top of the water while y'all were all sleeping last night with your full tummies. I walked across the water, and I came over here to Capernaum at this time, but he doesn't answer them. He doesn't tell them how he got there. Instead, watch, he confronts their superficial seeking of him. And look what he says. Truly, truly, I say to you, in other words, I know your heart, and I have something to say about your heart. You've given a lot of energy today to row across the lake, sail across the lake, run across around the lake to find me here. And let me just say why you've come. You're coming and you've sought me and you gave a lot of energy today. You're sweating. 
You've rowed hard on the sea. And you've come not, watch, not because of the miracle yesterday. Jesus says you've come because you ate your fill of the loaves. I want you to notice this. Somebody might say, Jesus, calm down. <laughs> You're going to drive people away. You know, the object is to big build crowds, you know, and let's just, let's just really build this up. If you say things like this, that you have to crucify your flesh and you have to die to self, people aren't going to be into that. So why don't you just calm it down? But Jesus was not afraid to say what was in our hearts that we couldn't even see but needed to see it. So he says, you're responding to me. You are searching for me for the reason that's grounded really honestly in selfishness. You want what I can do for you more than what you actually want for me. And the reason he could say that is nobody, nobody fell at his feet when they got there. Hey, how'd you get here? Can we get on to yesterday's stuff? I hadn't had breakfast yet. I've rowed across the sea and I'm tired and, and I'm hungry or I've walked or my kids need to eat. And selfishness was their main motive of this crowd because they were not interested in savoring the sovereignty and the glory of Christ. And though many cannot see it, I think likely many in and around the church today are this way. They don't come because they love Jesus but maybe it'll add some earthly happiness or maybe it um, alleviates some guilt in our lives from the past or maybe we think, well, I'm not really into it, but it's good for the kids and so let's go as a family to church because our kids need some moral values and, and sometimes with some of these people, we're shocked when they just disappear and they walk away from friendships. It's not everyone who's that case, but false disciples just walk away and they walk away easily with no guilt about it. And the reason is, is because they were never here in the first place to know Jesus. And when you're not here to know Jesus, then it's easily just to walk away. And this is what John 6 is going to bear out. They will all walk away. Everyone will walk away but 12. And when Jesus is popular, you can fill up a room... And yet we forget this reality that only a few find the narrow way, not the many. And so, so we must be reminded that we've got to come in pursuit of Jesus, who He is. And so instead of seeing the glory of Christ in the feeding of the 5,000, this superficial crowd just could only see and think about physical bread they thought of their stomachs more than they thought of their heart and their mind and what a disappointment and tragedy that they are standing before jesus himself i tell you i would love for him to show up right now today because i would would, would we not just fall on our face this morning before jesus and here they are they've been waiting thousands of years for him to come they've experienced this miracle he is before them and they're like can we get some fish and bread, I'm not really honor, interested in honoring you in the bowing of my life. They just wanted what he could give materially. And the third thing that's connected to false disciples 
is that they seek the hand of Jesus, not his presence. And this can't be what drives us. There was no focus on repentance, just the need for more material blessings. And I believe aiming for loaves and fish instead of honoring Christ is never a God-centered motivation and it's not a sign of authentic faith when it leaves out the desire for the presence of Jesus. And so in 22 through 27, they desired to give, they desired Christ to give them material comforts, but they didn't want eternal life. In 28 and 29, they were seeking to earn their own salvation, not by faith. They wanted to do the work. And then in 30 through 36, they were seeking a new Moses who would give them bread on a consistent basis, but they had no idea that they needed to believe and take in Jesus. Before we move on to point four, this is an early version of what is now in just full fruition in our day and time. It's called the prosperity gospel. It's called the social gospel. Just feed, just feed. Jesus, let's, Jesus, can we, can we set up this feeding ministry? And we'll just feed people bread. And Jesus didn't come just to feed people physical bread. He came to lay his life down so that you and I could come to know him. And he refused to give them what they wanted. And sadly, so often in our day and time, there are too many places that push this mindset that material blessings are the better blessing, and they're not. They're just bubbles. They're fine. They're good. We need them. But they're just ultimately bubbles. Let me remind us, everything we see this morning, everything that we will see driving from this place, everything we will see tomorrow, everything we will see for the rest of our lives is going to burn and dissolve. None of it is lasting. So work, as Jesus is about to tell us, for food that lasts. And honestly, this morning, Jesus is never going to give us something that isn't biblical. So they're asking for something that he's not going to give them. He's not going to give them what they want. And so in light of that, Jesus is going to admonish the crowd. And this is verse 27, fourth point. We must long for a life that endures, not for a life that perishes. Look at 27. So Jesus speaks. Do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. Which, by the way, the Son of Man, myself, I'm the Son of Man, I will give you. I'm going to give this to you. So work for what endures that's going to last forever. And if, if you make me your focus and you take me in, I'm going to give you what you need. I will provide. Remember the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Daily bread. We're praying for this and, and to be content in that reality. And so Jesus says, listen, I will give this to you, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. Now let's talk about this just for a moment. Longing for life that perishes or longing for life that endures. The more critical bread is having faith in Jesus. And so Jesus says, quit working and being so consumed about things that are not going to last. You need to eat again this morning, and you found me on the other side of the sea because what I gave you yesterday wasn't going to last forever. 
But I've got something to give you, and that's myself. And it will satisfy you daily. And it will satisfy you and bring you all the way to eternity. Remember these words from Christ? Matthew 6, 25. Therefore I tell you, don't be so worried and anxious about your life, what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what, or what you're going to wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? This kind of food perishes and fades so it is not wise to build our life on things that are not going to hang around. Some of the food that we eat in our lives, not steak, but the pursuit of fleshly, earthly things, just leave us guilty, broken, and rarely satisfied. And I think we spend a lot of time working on these bodies that are, by the way, decaying. Go look at your married people. Go look at your wedding pictures. We all look a little different. Instead of pursuing our soul and taking care of it and neglecting it to our great detriment. And I believe all around us are those who ignore the spiritual needs in their lives and we just sometimes give maximum effort to make sure that our lives are filled with the things of the earth and I can be greatly guilty of that in my own life. And I wondered this week about God's perspective of it all when Jesus says, don't work for food that perishes. Don't get on such a career path, dads, moms, that you neglect your family and you wake up one day and the kids are all heading off to college and you pursued, we, I pursued, whoever it is, whatever it is, we pursued things that ultimately just did not matter. And I wonder sometimes God's perspective where we get so much time and energy and focus in, during the week on earth stuff and then we gather here on Sunday morning And we're asking the question, when's that guy up there going to be done so that we can go back into a world that's full of earth stuff that doesn't satisfy? We just want to get out. We want to get in and we want to get out of here. And we don't linger at the place at our home or even here at church because there's just something about us that just gets warped and twisted. And we think, just, just think about this for a moment. One of the great things I love and probably you guys who go to the DR know this as well. I love going into Nepal. You know why? Because our services are three hours long. And nobody's interested in going anywhere but being together corporately in King Jesus. Do you think that if we did that next week, we'd have good registration this week for our service? Just honest question. We so want to be out there. And out there just screams at us. Bubbles, bubbles, bubbles. They pop. And I want to plead with us this morning. To work for food that lasts. That endures to eternal life. That can only be found in Jesus. Now let me say this. Enjoy life.
Disc golf is the greatest game in the history of the world. That's why I play it about five times a week. That's why we put four baskets on our church campus. So enjoy life. Just don't get caught up in things that don't matter. And that's what Jesus is telling the crowd. So how do we work and labor for that which endures? I think we dig deep in Scripture for true treasure. I think you gather with God's people for encouragement and accountability. I think we wrestle in prayer, pleading for God's movement in our families, in our lives, and whatever the case may be. We fight against sin. And and let me just say this. Life's tiring, isn't it? Friday comes. (laughs) If you work on Saturday, Friday comes. You're like, ugh, you wait until Saturday night. You're like, Saturday night comes. We're going to be tired here, but I want to remind us of something. This is Isaiah 40, 29. I want you to listen to the word shall. He gives power to the faint. Why are people faint? Because they've worked hard and life's just tiring. And to him who has no might, just energy is just gone, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Watch this. That is working and finding rest. Why? Because the strength of the Lord lifts us up in the midst of those Moments And so Jesus says, don't work for food that perishes, but work for the food that endures to eternal life. Which, by the way, he says in verse 27, which the Son of Man, it's just myself, that I will give you. I will give this to you. Notice the irony from Jesus in that we should work for food that he says he will give us. What kind of food is that? Well, it's faith, it's belief, it's trust in Jesus. And the reason this, he can... We can trust this is because God the Father has set his seal on the Son. Now, back in the day, kings would have scrolls and they would write laws, and the king's hand or the king's scribe would write certain things, but the writing wasn't the seal of the deal. The power was connected to when they rolled those scrolls up, they would take wax, hot wax, and they would have the king's signet ring, and they would stick it in the hot wax, and then they would stick it on the rolled up scroll which signified the king's seal of approval is on this document and jesus says the father in heaven has put his seal on me to be the one who gives food that lasts to eternal life let's look at the fifth thing the life that believes is the life that works look at 28 and 29 oh how troubled our hearts and our minds are So he's told them, work for food that's going to last. But it's belief in the Son of Man who's going to give this. So come to the Son of Man and he will give it to you. And so then they said to him, what must we do? We do. What what do we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them saying, well, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. One of the great tragedies is that people want to rely on themselves for salvation. And most sinners want to be justified or at least have a part of justifying themselves by their works. 
And it almost seems sometimes it's the last thing people want to let go of. I want to I be able to one that says that I had control of my salvation. No, we want Him to be in control of that. And because He is in control of that, it means this, that it's not dependent upon our keeping. It's dependent upon His keeping. He starts it. He completes it. We yield along the way. And He gives strength to the faint. So what must we do to do the works of God? And Jesus says, well, let me tell you what the work of God is. It's not you running around the lake. It's not you rowing across the lake and longing for more material food that I could give you. Here's the great work. Believe in me. Believe in me. Trust in me. This is the work of God that you believe in him whom the Father has sent. See, the great work is belief, faith. Trust in Jesus as the sole means of life for our lives. See, our salvation is not secure by faith in Jesus. or Our salvation is secure in our faith in Jesus. It's not grounded in our works. And, and again, for this, I am incredibly thankful. Matt Vanderwell is a member of our church. He's a pilot. And let's say we're going to take a church trip to New York. That sounds fun, doesn't it? With no COVID, we're going to New York. And we can just go and we can experience it. And we get on the plane and we're all there and we're excited. And, and some of us think, you know what? Matt's trained and he's been hired. But you know what? I'm, I'm going to demand that I get to be in the cockpit with Matt, some of us. And we're going we're gonna to help Matt get us to New York. And so we're going to take over controls and we're going to fly, and Matt can kind of be there, but we want to take over getting to New York. Does anybody want to be on that plane? That's silly illustration. Then why in the world do we want to push God aside and say, no, God, I'm in control of my salvation. I'm going to help you get me to heaven. We don't have that power. We don't have that authority. It rests in him. And so Jesus says, the life that believes is the life that works. And that work is believing in Christ. And Jesus is never going to offer something that people seek that is not biblical. And so they're seeking something here. Give us bread like yesterday. Give us fish like yesterday. And Jesus is like, no, I'm not going to give you that because that's not what you need. That's not the kind of food that endures to eternal life. Because this afternoon, if I give you breakfast this morning, you're going to come begging me for material bread again that you need this afternoon. And then you're going to need it tonight. And then you're going to need it the next day. And I want to tell you there's something greater than physical food and physical things. And that is coming to faith in me. And so belief in the room today and greater belief in the room today is the best work that could happen. Let's look at 30 through 32 as we finish up. And I want to talk about the lunacy that accomplishes false faith. So they said to him, Listen to what they say. Then what sign will you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Now, let's stop for a moment. What did they see yesterday? All they saw was work and miracle. All they saw was a sign that indicated who he was. And so they're demanding that. 
Look at 31. So our fathers ate man in the wilderness, and as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And then Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Let me give you three things that dominate, at least right now, false faith. And the first one is this, is always desiring more revelation. Jesus has already shown them enough as to who he is that they could believe that day. But they're like, uh, okay, we found you here. Um, can you do another thing? Can, can you do something else right now? And, and if you do another sign, here's what we'll do. We'll believe. But so, so can you give us a little bit more revelation? And Jesus said, there's not going to be any more signs today, boys. Nope, not going to do that. But I do have a word for you that I'll tell you, and it's this, that you've got to believe in me. See, they had already seen a sign, but it was not enough, as we always seem to want more. They had come to Jesus on the next day to request another miracle, and they didn't need anything new. And I believe weak, false discipleship, listen, this may ouch, demands of Jesus to do more. Okay, Jesus, yeah, I've walked with you for 20 years, but things are kind of tough in the family right now, and so you need, you need to do more if I'm going to continue to walk with you. And one of the signs of false faith is this demanding of Jesus, and it's just funny. I think if we, I, when we eventually get there, those of us who know him, we eventually get into his presence. I think briefly for a moment, when, but until we're completely perfect, we're going to go, how, man, how arrogant I was down there to demand to tell this God what he ought to do instead of coming in humility and they're demanding right there in front of Jesus do something else secondly so that there's always desiring more revelation secondly it's always focusing on the physical over the spiritual so in 31 they say our fathers ate the man in the wilderness as it is written he gave them bread from heaven to eat the word man in the old testament means what is this when the people woke up the first day that the manna was there they went out and picked it up and their one phrase that they said over and over was what is this what is this what is this and watch this for 40 years they saw the glory of the lord every morning well six days a week six day they collected enough for the for the next day for 40 years And everybody who ate the Old Testament manna, you know what happened to them? They all died. It didn't lead to eternal life, that manna. Now it gave them daily sustenance for 40 years, but one generation didn't go into the promised land who ate the manna. They died in the wilderness because of their sin. And then the younger generation, they ate the manna. They entered the promised land. But watch, they eventually died. That manna didn't lead to eternal life and so jesus now and they're like hey are you the new moses who's going to give us manna that we can eat again because again that was pretty awesome yesterday it's pretty awesome all that bread are you going to do that today and he's like no i'm not going to do that today i'm actually greater than moses and i can give you something if you'll believe in me and trust in me i will give you something that will last for all of eternity The manna in the wilderness fed the body, but it did not keep the soul 
from dying and keep it from separating. They, they must believe in the one who was to come. And the manna was a representation of the sustenance that Jesus gives us in our lives. But, it, but it's only by faith in Jesus that gives us this reality for all of eternity in regard to our faith. And they tell Jesus, you know, Moses gave us the manna. And they're wondering what Jesus is going to give to the people. Jesus had done bread one time. Moses had done it in their mind for 40 years. Jesus, you got some work to do to catch up to Moses. And he was going to do something. He was going to do something far greater because Moses could not give them salvation. Only faith in the coming Messiah. So, We've got to be careful that we're not fo- focusing on the physical rather than the spiritual. And the third thing that accompanies false faith is consistently attributing the work of God to someone else. 32, they said, so Jesus then said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, it wasn't Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Father gave the Old Testament. Moses couldn't wake up in the morning and magically sprinkle whatever out there and man came God did that it was God's work every time it happened so we you and I cannot ever give a ministry a minister a pastor a strategy a church the place that Jesus alone is to have So they attribute that great work to Moses, and it wasn't Moses' work. He was the conduit of the leadership, but it was the work of the Father. Let's look at the last thing. Look at 33 and 34. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always so jesus says listen i'm the one who's come down from heaven you you are to partake of me and i've come to give my life for the world this is my gift i'm giving this to the world the manna was just for the jews the jews ate that but jesus came to be the bread for the world that the world could come to know the glory of god and eternal life and this bread of god was the gift of the father where they were shaped in, in, in manna, or whether it was shaped now in the person of Jesus. And then they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And I just asked the question, did they really want that? I don't think they had any idea what they were really asking because they didn't want him. Because in about 20 verses from here, they're going to walk away. I'll tell you what they did want. They didn't want him. They wanted access to the lunch line to get their daily physical needs of bread and fish met. And I want to go back to the picture of the bubbles as we finish. Jesus is, I think, pleading with us church today. What are we going to pursue? I think there's something happening on TV today that I kind of totally lost interest in. 
It's called NFL football. I think in six months, a lot of things have changed in our perspective about a lot of stuff. But listen, when you walk out of these doors and you get in your car, we're going to enter back into a world that offers nothing that lasting that lasts. It doesn't last. And so tomorrow when we go to our work, work hard for the glory of God, but be reminded that that job is not going to last forever. I'm becoming very mature. At least my birth certificate tells me that way. And the numbers in my life connected to my age are increasing every year for some reason. And I'm having to think about, man... How long do I do this? And I, um, for many years of my life, uh, took different jobs, and I'm never going to really ever be able to retire and travel the world and play golf every day. And, and so when this is over with, I'm going to have to do something else. And, you know, I've been kind of thinking about that. It's, you know, down the road, and I'm thinking about that. I'm not going to be the pastor of LifePoint for forever. Somebody else eventually is going to be the pastor here. And you know what? That's okay. It's okay. Because none of our jobs, none of our houses, none of our cars, none of our whatever it is are going to last forever. And so as we have these things for a temporary time, hold them loosely and live for the glory of God. And for the things that last forever, get after it. Enjoy them. Pursue them passionately. Get up early in the morning and, and seek Him because one day, one day, one day we're leaving this planet and we're going to be in the presence of Jesus. And let's live as if we're ready for that now. So Jesus church is saying let's 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 not work for food that doesn't endure let's work for food that endures and that food is me i offer this kind of food all right let's pray